Hello and welcome to the Literature Podcast, A Novel Review. My name is Seamus, your host, and together we will discuss, dissect, and explore the wonderful world of literature, and the wonderful world of literature is a vast and dense jungle, so let's start making our way through, one book at a time. Hello, good day, and welcome to the beginning of another episode of A Novel Review, a podcast exploring the wonderful world of literature. My name is Seamus and I am your host, and for today's episode, Finding Meaning in a World of Exile. That's right, today I will be discussing David Maloof's novella, An Imaginary Life. But before I jump into this book, I always take a moment to reflect on any mantelpiece moments, something to highlight from the week past, and... This week, I know it's been some time since he passed away, but I just I just wanted to take a moment to reflect because Cormac McCarthy recently passed away, as you may or may not know. Hopefully, if you don't know, it's not too much of a shock to the system. But he, you know, he was one of my favourite authors, and the man whose book started off my podcast with, you know, episode one was The Road. So it, 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 it was a big moment, and he released two books in the last year, The Passenger and Stella Maris, and you know, I immediately went out and bought them both, and have read The Passenger, and it is this beautifully meaningless book with no resolution that just kind of haunts you. And I honestly don't think I can describe it better than that. I haven't read Stella Maris yet, it's sitting there, it's waiting to be read, and Look, honestly, now that Cormac has passed, I might even wait a long while before jumping into it just to savour the idea of something new from him a little while longer. So, yeah, I basically just wanted to, you know, say, R.I.P. King, you know, the literary world is worse off that you're gone, but it'll always be better because you existed and worked to have your art out there for all. So, R.I.P. Cormac McCarthy. Housekeeping, as always, all the scripts from the episode are available on my website, just in case you know of anyone who has a hearing impairment who might get a kick out of a written version of the pod. So head along, they are all free for use for all to enjoy. Okay, on with the episode. On to a lovely little novella that sets you on the right track. Now, David Maloof is an Australian writer who I have read now two of his works. The first being Ransom and and now, of course, this book, An Imaginary Life, which he released in 1978. Both are historical fiction, and you know, it's weird when I think of him. I had to read Ransom for my first year, you know, my first literature class at university. It was very much his introductory class to the to literature and the literature world, you know, quite obvious and accessible, which isn't to say that the texts we were reading were bad, but it was sort of, you know, short stories and poems to really start you thinking in that kind of more literary way. And then the only actual novel in that class was Ransom. And look, at the time, I didn't think much of it. It was, you know, it was historical fiction, a novel about King Priam of Troy smuggling himself into the Greek camps to speak with Achilles and to try get the body of his firstborn son back, you know, that being of Hector, whom Achilles had just murdered that day. At that time, I thought nothing of it, to be quite honest, and yet I can remember I can remember it so vividly, so clearly. I can remember the feeling of reading it, the, the reddish-orange colour with the donkey on it. It's, it's weird, and like I hadn't thought of David Maloof since, until I saw An Imaginary Life on the second-hand bookshop shelf here in London, 
and then a flurry of all memories came back. So that is kind of my introduction to the episode. I immediately bought the book and then you know, like I read the book, of course, because you can't do a book podcast otherwise, because imagine doing a book podcast on a book I haven't read. That would, that, that could actually be really fun. Literally judging a book by its cover and then guessing the story and then reading it and doing an episode on how right or wrong I was. Okay. Oh, ooh, okay. That's, that could be a new segment, judging a book by its cover. And then the rest of the episode is talking about what the book was about. Okay. No, good. Food for thought. Sorry about that. Anyways, getting distracted, getting distracted. David Maloof, An Imaginary Life. Let's dive into it. Let's dive into an overview. An Imaginary Life centers around the Roman poet Ovid, who wrote The Metamorphosis, which I've actually also read, uh, and there's probably an episode on that, because that is a force to triumph. Getting sidetracked again. My apologies. This is a lovely novella about Ovid after he is banished and exiled from Rome. He finds himself on the outskirts of the Empire, in a land that doesn't speak his native tongue, alone with nothing but his name. While in this small village, Ovid tries to go about his life, and one day while out hunting with other members of the village, he spies a wild boy that lives amongst the wolves, shrub and snow, and sort of the, the unexplored, untamed world. Ovid's reaction to seeing him alone is one of immediate wanting to be the role of a protector to the boy, and over time they create a lovely little friendship of sorts. Let's pause on the episode for a minute. I think that's sort of a great place to stop for the overview, but I want to go off on another little wonderful tangent. The chief character of this book, Ovid, was born on the 20th of March, 43 BC. The writer of this novella, David Maloof, was born on the 20th of March, 1934. And in case you didn't realise the direction I was going, I won't reveal the year, but I, Seamus, was born on the 20th of March. I mean, that is such a wonderful little thing to stumble across while doing research for the episode. So... Anyways, I, like, sorry, I just had to sort of divert again and get that into the episode because I just thought it was actually it just kind of married up very nicely. So let's get back to this fascinating story. I, you know, hopefully that's the end of the diversions. And what a fascinating little story it is. So much angst, anxiety, dislocation, responsibility, but the troubles of assumed responsibility going on in this novella that makes it sort of this really perfect kind of palate cleanser. It's the perfect kind of book to read in between big books. It achieves a lovely depth that would make you thankful that you read it without, of course, being so long that you feel you have to sort of lug through it. Ovid, for context, was a Roman poet, and, and this is historical fact. Ovid was exiled, or rather relegatio, or relegated for a direct translation, to a half-Greek city of Tomis, which was on the edge of the Roman Empire. It was modern Romania area, so quite a distance to be. He was exiled by Augustus Caesar, the first Roman emperor, for his verse, although in truth the full reason for his exile, his banishment, remains quite murky at best. He was the chief and leading poet in Rome, so this was quite an unprecedented move to be removed from the capital of the empire. So I mean, this is you know the foundations of a great story, which is what Mr. Maloof thought, and he took creative charge from there. Here to kick us off a little taster to the language, because it's not enough to simply write a historical fictive novel, because David Maloof is writing about the Roman poet Ovid, and so then the language of the book has to take on and almost has a responsibility to be florid and floral, poetic and free-flowing, and add that extra layer of depth to this story. 
So here's the quote. How can I give you any notion? You, who only know landscapes that have been shaped for centuries to the idea that we all carry our souls, of that ideal scene against which our lives should be played out, of what earth was in in its original bleakness, before we brought to it the order of industry, the terraces, fields, orchards, pastures, the irrigated gardens of the world we are making in our own image. And so, in this quote, I saw what I took as sort of the major issue Ovid would face, that of imperialism thinking that what you have is better because you can conquer something else. Ovid immediately sees this wild boy and thinks he needs saving, protecting, despite so far living free without help from anyone else. And look, I can see why you would want to force your ways upon them, because otherwise you are admitting in a way that your own way of life is unnecessary in a sense. But then Ovid makes it his burning desire to, re to rescue this child and bring him under his wing. While at first, after being captured, the boy is not too pleased with this situation, him and Ovid do form a bond that resembles friendship. What makes an imaginary life truly remarkable is the way Maloof seamlessly weaves together the inner and outer worlds of his characters. Ovid's encounter with the boy become a catalyst for his own introspection, prompting him to question the boundaries of reality and imagination. As the two navigate the harsh realities of Thomas, Ovid discovers that the boy possesses a unique ability to tap into the power of the imagination, allowing him to see the world in a different light. The main issue, and this might be going back a bit, but the main issue of the novella is the fact that Ovid is a poet, and therefore uses his words as a mode of not only communication, but also expression. So when he is exiled to a land that doesn't speak his language, he is feeling that extra layer of isolation. Not just geographical, but also because he feels he has lost a part of his identity. And so the friendship between both Ovid and the boy becomes one of non-verbal, and therefore Ovid is forced to look inwards at other forms of experience that can transcend these linguistic barriers. Ovid writes, I have become braver in my old age, ready at last for all the changes we must undergo, as painfully we allow our limbs to burst into a new form. Let the crust of our flesh split and the tree break through, or the moth or the bird abandon us for air. What else is death but the refusal to grow and suffer change? This is a man who was exiled from the very top of society that ruled the world, banished to a foreign land, and while at the time his name might have continued to live at the heights of society, his mortal body was condemned and forgotten. But Ovid found through the course of the novella that he could not wallow in his exile. He embraces his exile and he learns to appreciate the simplicity and beauty of his surroundings. Ovid embarks on a path of self-discovery, ultimately finding meaning in the very act of existing. The charming novella An Imaginary Life by David Maloof. And what would I rate this? It's not, look, I'm not going to say it's a must read, but it's definitely not a wasted read if you dip your toe in. 3.6 out of 5. So what am I reading this week? This week I am reading, well, I mean, I'm, like I'm still reading The Brothers Karamazov because it is a chunky book. So, you know, I don't want to talk about that too much because it will ruin an episode in the future. So instead, I'm going to read this little rhyme from 1923 called The Bookseller by Arthur Gutterman. I hope you like it. A trade much harsher than, a trade much harder than it looks is that of merchandising books. I never knew a pamphlet seller who had the wealth of a Rockefeller, nor any millionaire, I think, who dealt in paper spoiled with ink. 
I'd much prefer to run a cookshop, for he who understands a bookshop must buy and boast and keep in stock. A trade much harder than it looks is that of merchandising books. I never knew a pamphlet seller who had the wealth of a Rockefeller, nor any millionaire, I think, who dealt in paper spoiled with ink. I'd much prefer to run a cookshop, for he who understands a bookshop must buy and boost and keep in stock the works of Mr. Edward Bock. The drool of bedtime storytellers, detective yarns and six bestsellers, the awful novels read at trains by folks who haven't any brains, accounts of life among the llamas, the latest Czechoslavic dramas, and poems full of joy and zest composed by me and Mr. Guest. When someone says, I don't remember the name you had it last December, he has to guess, unmoved by taunts, what book the person think he wants. He has to brave the lifted eyebrow and cutting words of lofty highbrow, who scores him if he dares to hint that anything is out of print. And he must hear the disquisitions of authors, critics, politicians, and ministers who know too well what books he hadn't ought to sell. Now, before I close out the show, if you've listened this far, please consider hitting those five stars. I would really appreciate it. Also, feel free to head along to the website and support the pod. And of course, as always, thank you, thank you, thank you for your attention. So, I think it's time to end this episode today. To take us away, I think a bit of Jane Austen and some words I feel everyone has felt as she says that, And sometimes I have kept my feelings to myself because I could find no language to describe them in. <laughs>